Coming up this evening, live from New York City, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi lands in Taiwan. She's now the highest-ranking U.S. official to visit the island in over two decades. But how is Beijing reacting to it? Consumers borrowing a record amount of money in the last quarter. What does inflation have to do with it? Oil giant BP becoming the latest energy company to announce record profits is thanks to high energy prices. That and much more coming up on NTD Business. It's great to have you with us. Paul Graney here with NTD Business. The big news today is House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's trip to Taiwan. Arriving Tuesday night local time, she's now the highest-ranking American official to visit the Selfru Island in 25 years. And that's despite threats of serious consequences from Beijing. China claims Taiwan as part of its territory and has threatened to annex the island by force if necessary. It also views visits to Taiwan by foreign government officials as recognition of the island's sovereignty and as insults to Beijing. Pelosi and her delegation were greeted by Taiwan officials at the airport. She's expected to meet with Taiwanese President Tsai Ing-wen on Wednesday. In a statement released after her arrival, Pelosi called her visit a sign of America's, quote, unwavering commitment to Taiwan. She added that the visit does not contradict long-standing U.S. policy. The Biden administration did not explicitly urge Pelosi to call off the visit, but it has sought to assure Beijing that U.S. policy on Taiwan hasn't changed. This is very much uh, precedent in the sense that uh, previous speakers visited Taiwan. Many members of Congress go to Taiwan, including this year. Uh, and so if the speaker does decide to visit, and China tries to um, create some kind of a crisis or otherwise escalate tensions, that would be entirely uh, on Beijing. Uh, we uh, are looking for, the, for them in the event she decides to visit, uh, to act responsibly uh, and not to engage in, uh, in, in any escalation. But Beijing has nonetheless reacted through economic measures against Taiwan and cyber attacks. The Chinese regime just banned the import of more than 100 Taiwanese food products, including a number of popular brands. At the same time, the website of Taiwan's presidential office was hit by a cyber attack traced overseas. Moving on to the U.S. economy, consumer debt topped $16 trillion with a T dollars for the first time ever in the second quarter. This is according to the New York Federal Reserve. That's a 2% increase over the previous quarter. Most of the increase was driven by a jump in mortgage borrowing. The New York Fed also said credit card balances increased by $46 billion last quarter. Credit card debt has jumped over $100 billion, 13% over the past year. as the biggest percentage increase in more than 20 years. Fed report also found that not only are credit card balances rising, but Americans opened 233 million new credit card accounts during the second quarter alone. That's the most since 2008. The Fed said the credit card binge at least partly reflects inflation as prices rise at the fastest pace in more than four decades. Not good, really. U.S. jobs market isn't as tight as it used to be either. Labor Department says the number of open positions fell to 10.7 million during the month of June. That's the lowest in nine months. Is well down from the 11.3 million vacancies in May, and the sectors with the biggest decreases were professional and business services, manufacturing, 
Still, there are 1.8 jobs available for each person looking for work if you're one of them. Nearly 6 million Americans were unemployed in June. And the new spending proposal from Senators Chuck Schumer and Joe Manchin is dubbed the Inflation Reduction Act. But will it actually reduce inflation? There are many components to the bill. We'll talk just about a couple of them. Schumer and Manchin say the bill would reduce inflation through reducing the federal debt budget by putting a 15% minimum tax on corporations. This 15% minimum is also called a book minimum tax, though not everyone is convinced that it will help inflation. According to Moody's analytics, the bill would only lower the CPI by a third of a percentage point by 2031. It's almost a decade from now. Here to talk to Entities Don Ma about the bill is William McBride, the Vice President of Federal Tax and Economic Policy at the Tax Foundation. Well, thanks for coming on. So just tell us a little bit about Chuck Schumer and Joe Manchin's you know, Reduced Inflation Act. Now, would it actually reduce inflation? Uh, that's not at all clear. Uh, inflation is a very complicated subject, and uh, it's not as simple as uh, reducing the deficit um, in the, for one or two years um, in the immediate term. It's, it's really more fundamentally about economic growth. It is a negative for the economy over the long run, and that is primarily because of the, the book minimum tax on corporations, and that would reduce incentives to invest for large corporations in the U.S., reducing the productive capacity of the economy. And so it's, it's not at all clear, even on that basis, that the bill would have a, uh, any kind of uh, negative impact on inflation, and more likely it would worsen inflation. So right now, the general consensus for the environment of inflation is that demand is outpacing supply, right? So will raising taxes increase supply or reduce it? Well, the, these particular taxes, and, and particularly the, the tax on corporate book income, will reduce supply. That's a tax. Those are, those are the suppliers. Those 150 companies, they are big suppliers in the U.S. economy. Uh, big producers, and so um, they, you know, cover the gamut. Uh, all sorts of industries, all sorts of goods and services are produced by those companies. Um, they would have less incentive to produce those things, and so yes, uh, supply goes down. I see. So, what you're saying is this would actually make inflation even higher. Absolutely. Uh, now, the magnitudes, again, it's, it's small on both the uh, tax revenue and the spending side. So this is a much scaled down uh, bill compared to what was being contemplated last year in Build Back Better. It probably has a pretty, uh, pretty negligible impact on inflation, but the direction is probably to make it worse. William McBride, Tax Foundation, thanks for your time today. Okay, thank you. High oil prices, bad news for you, good news for others. BP became the latest energy company to announce huge profits Tuesday. The company said it made a second quarter profit of just under $8.5 billion, its highest in 14 years. The number, far beyond analyst expectations. BP said the profits were driven by strong refining margins and also credited, quote, exceptional oil trading performance and higher fuel prices although that was offset by weaker gas trading. BP boosted its dividends, launched a $3.5 billion share buyback, hooray for the shareholders. 
Several oil giants, including ExxonMobil and Shell, have reported earnings this quarter. Together, the top Western oil and gas companies have brought in a cool $59 billion in profits. Meanwhile, governments trying to impose new taxes on energy profits. Catch me if you can. And another fossil fuel, coal, is making a comeback. Consumption is expected to reach record usage this year. Anthony Svilzo has the details. Move aside renewable energy, fossil fuels like coal are making a comeback. Electricity uh, demand is, is, is up. I don't think the, the sector really responded well to the bouncing back from the pandemic. They're looking for alternatives and coal keeps coming up. Coal prices are soaring and coal consumption is expected to rise 0.7%, reaching a near 10-year high according to the International Energy Agency. James Van Nostrand is the director at the Center for Energy and Sustainable Development at West Virginia University School of Law. A lot of it's due to the disruption in the energy markets caused by the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Some of it's caused by some supply chain issues as we as we bounce back from the pandemic. He's also the author of the book, The Coal Trap. Basically, you've got a curtailment of natural gas supplies, which causes natural gas prices to go up. And so coal is substituted for that, and that causes increased demand for coal, so higher coal prices. But I think these, a lot of these things are pretty much are pretty short-term. Sankar Sharma is a market analyst who foresaw the coal comeback months ago. Coal in the short term is going to be quite a bit in demand um, because it's, it's cheaper to produce and the infrastructure in many places are already existing. Sharma says he expects the demand for natural gases in general to continue going up, at least in the short term. The problem everyone has got currently, we can't create a new alternate energy sources overnight. And nuclear energy costs money. In Europe, coal consumption is expected to rise 7% this year alone. That's on top of the 14% increase from last year. Phil Zoe, NTD News. And look away, investors. Stocks falling again today. The Dow dropped 402 points, one two tenths of a percent. S&P 500 lost 27 points, seven tenths of a percent. And the Nasdaq fell 20 points, two tenths of a percent today. But for the first time ever, Uber had positive quarterly free cash flow. This is the amount of money it received from operating activities minus the amount of money spent on capital expenditures. Sounds like revenue, but it's a little different than revenue. Revenue contains many non-cash items like accounts receivable and accounts payable. Free cash flow is pure cash. Analysts expected to have $263 million, but Uber ended up making $382 million. Shareholders hooray again. More people are using Uber for travel and food, and there is enough supply to meet demand. The number of drivers is at an all-time high of around $5 million. Uber says 70% of new drivers are doing it to manage inflation. There you go, that I word again. And companies are also starting to get automated taxis onto the streets, but getting through the early stages is proving to be a task for only the wealthiest corporations betting billions on their businesses. Anthony Shaw Marshall has more. The race to take over the robo-taxi industry is on, but the cost of starting up is high. How high? About $5 million every day, at least for GM's robo-taxi unit crews. They've lost about $5 billion since 2018. Chief Executive Mary Baugh forecast that the unit could generate $50 billion a year in revenue from automated vehicle services and technology by 2030. Without question, the cruise team's launch of fully driverless commercial operations in San Francisco in June was historic. 
The next steps for crews in the second half include working with regulators to increase their hours of operation and service area, expanding their fleet of bold AVs, and testing the crew's origin. The market as a whole is pretty tough right now. Shares of autonomous vehicle technology company Aurora Innovation Incorporated are down 80% year-to-date. Robo-trucking company Too Simple Holdings stock has lost more than 70% of its value. Some automakers, including Ford Motor Company, have scaled back investments in automated vehicle units or taken on partners to share the cost. Cruises deployed two Chevy Bolt EV test vehicles in Dubai. The company has signed an agreement giving it exclusive access to autonomous taxi services in the city through 2029. In addition to Dubai, the cruise origin will eventually service Japan in partnership with domestic manufacturer Honda. Looks like cruise may be on its way to becoming the Uber of the autonomous taxi world. Sean Marshall, NTD News. And a subsidiary of Toyota called Hino has been faking emissions data since 2003. A special probe found that the company's culture played a large role in the fraud. Indeed, Khan Fredrickson has more on that. Truck maker Hino Motors, a Toyota subsidiary, has been falsifying emissions data since 2003. Hino says misconduct was first discovered on March 4th. On March 11th, it then established a special investigation committee to look into the problem. It found emissions data was intentionally falsified to make sure they were under regulated limits. A big embarrassment to them to work for a car company like Toyota is an honor in their country. It's an honor here in the U.S. as well, and they carry that culture through. Lauren Fix is an automotive expert at Car Coach Reports. Fix says Toyota's mistake could be very expensive for them. When someone makes a mistake or lies, that's an embarrassment, and they will do their best to correct it. The committee said employees didn't feel psychological safety. Engineers felt they couldn't challenge their superiors. The committee chairperson says management's past successes have made them unable to look at themselves objectively. Hino says its management wasn't engaged enough with its frontline workforce and bears responsibility. Hino President Satoshi Ogiso bowed at a news conference and said he was deeply sorry. Hino Motors is based in Hino, Tokyo. It makes trucks, buses, and industrial diesel engines. The company was founded in 1942, then acquired by Toyota in 2001. Hino has since expanded to the Americas, Africa, the Middle East, Europe, and all throughout Asia. Colin Fredrickson, NTD News. Still to come. Hey, look to update your home? Well, we have tips on home renovation projects that have the best return on investment. And an underground network of tunnels in Houston allows employees to move about the city in an air-conditioned environment. That and much more coming up on NTD Business. on the nation's critical baby formula shortage. A new report from market research firm Information Resources shows formula availability is better than it was, but it's still not back to normal. About 20% of all types of baby formula products were out of stock 
during the week ending July 24th. It was only about 10% before the baby formula shortage crisis first started. The White House is doing what it can, like bringing in formula from overseas and extending programs designed to help families affected by the shortage, it says. But for countless families, it's still tough. The FDA says formula production needs to continue at high levels for six to eight more weeks to keep supply in line with demand. And retailers are offering more discounts as Americans deal with high inflation. Companies like Walmart, Best Buy, Gap, Target, and Bath and & Body are, are hoping to entice shoppers to make space on their shelves. Stores stocked up in merchandise earlier this year, expecting robust consumer demand amid supply chain shortages. But rising inflation is forcing many shoppers to curtail their discretionary spending. Now, stores say they're increasing promotions and lowering prices. Consumers may see more deals in a slew of goods, including clothing, electronics, furniture, home goods, and bath items. And despite the rising cost of materials and labor shortages, a growing number of people are updating their homes to adapt to remote work or school, or because they can't afford the cost of a new home. And if that's a trend you're looking to jump on, experts say not all upgrades have the same return on investment. Here's a closer look at the projects that have the biggest payoff. With home prices soaring, a growing number of homeowners are choosing to upgrade their homes, but experts say not all renovations have the same payoff. When the market is getting hotter, when people's homes are becoming worth more money, they see investing more money into the home as a solid choice. If you want the best return on investment on your next home remodel project, ditch the idea of a spa-like bathroom or magazine-worthy kitchen. A recent report from the National Association of Realtors and the National Association of the Remodeling Industry says interior projects that recoup the most money are refinishing existing hardwood floors or installing new ones. The estimated cost of new hardwoods is around $5,000, but with a $6,500 return on investment, 118% of your cost is recovered. Change flooring from carpet into hardwood or LVP, you are much less likely to run yourself into big problems that can drain your budget. Another project with high ROI, an insulation upgrade, with 100% of the cost expected to be recovered. For comparison, the cost of adding a new primary bedroom suite is estimated at $182,000, with only about 100000 of that cost recovered. One big mistake that inexperienced homeowners or investors make when they're doing a renovation is they go too grandiose. It is very common when you start moving walls to find electrical issues that need to be brought up to code, plumbing leaks that you didn't know existed. When it comes to the outside of your house, replacing the roof and the garage doors have the best return on investment, with both recouping all their costs. And an underground tunnel of network of tunnels is allowing Houston's workforce to move about the city 20 feet below the sidewalk. And the air-conditioned environment stretches more than six miles. The Andrew Thomas reports. The tunnel system covers 95 blocks and connects Houston's downtown offices. Tourists uh, tend not to find the tunnel system. They tend to walk around street level looking for where everything's at. Lots of people will mention before joining us on tour that downtown Houston looks like a ghost town. Um, and you'll be able to find all your amenities, everything that you're looking for, from restaurants to getting your nails done, haircut, down below here in the tunnel system. The tunnels feature restaurants, shops, banks, hotels, and more. 
The tunnels are open to the public during normal business hours, but they're owned by the buildings above them. It's really through cooperative agreements between adjoining property owners that, that people can connect to each other's tunnels. Uh, so it is uh, very much a kind of private system uh, rather than a public system. The city's tunnel system started in the 1930s with a single tunnel connecting two downtown movie theaters. Architecture historian Stephen Fox said additional tunnels were bored through Houston's soil in the 1950s and 1960s. By the 1970s, developers began to connect the tunnels to form the greater underground system. Whenever I'm tired of something that's right there, like if I want to go get food and I want to change my mind, I don't have to get in my car and drive all around. I can just easily access the tunnels and I'm protected by the weather, by traffic, by humidity, especially, you know, Houston. But it makes it super easy to go to wherever I want to. Lucia Heron owns Greenworks Flowers, a floral shop located in the tunnels. She said Houston's hot and rainy weather is a perfect reason for downtown workers and tourists to explore underground. Too much rain or too much heat is what makes these type of places functional for everyone. So it's fabulous to have the tunnel. It allows them to communicate between buildings for the food, for the gift, for anything they need. With temperatures reaching the high 90s this week, the tunnels offer a welcome refuge from the heat. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. And to finish today's broadcast, cat food brand Fancy Feast is expanding into feline-inspired human cuisine. It's opening an Italian restaurant in New York City called Gatto Bianco, which means white cat. The human-friendly dishes were inspired by Fancy Feast's new medley's cat food line. Features options like beef ragu recipe with tomatoes and pasta in a savory sauce. That's for the cat with discerning taste. The pop-up restaurant will be open for dinner reservations on August 11th and 12th only. And only a lucky few will have the chance to enjoy it. The experience is limited to a total of 16 guests. Each guest will enjoy a complimentary tasting menu for free. That's the latest in the NTD business team. Myself, Paul Graney. Follow me on Twitter, though, if you're there. If you have any news, tips, or feedback for the show, you can email us at business at ntd.com. That's all for today. Thank you for watching. We'll see you tomorrow.